Welcome to the North Point Plus Plus Podcast. <laughs> this is uh, episode 124. 124. I, yep. I'm your guest host, Brent Conlon. Uh, we're here today with lead pastor Rick Rubel and Daniel, what's your last name? Uh, Vargas. Daniel Vargas, who spoke Daniel yesterday. Daniel uh, Vargas. Yeah. Daniel uh, Vargas. Uh, Vargas. Yeah. Yeah. Did a great job yesterday. <laughs> Daniel was great. Thank you very much. I was very nervous and I'm pretty sure it showed, uh, but I was just uh, trying to share my strength and experience and hope. Yeah, you did great. Thanks. Yes. That's a lot of people to stand in front of. I was uh, nervous for you. Yeah, uh, first, service, I, first service, I didn't know that many people. I knew a couple people, but second service is more comfortable just simply because that's the service I use, me and my wife, Melissa, usually go to. And most so. of your life groups in second service. Yeah. So that's that's cool. You did great. It was, um, well, you know what? We're just jumping in, right? Um, share, you you told me a number of people talked to you in the in the lobby in between services and, and just said from their perspective how much courage it took for you to to share your story yeah um it was really amazing because i think that i didn't really have much time like in between services uh just simply because there was a group of like eight nine people that would come up to me and say oh wow um you got guts because i couldn't do that but i i like uh i can relate to your story yeah um let me just, I'll, I'll play the host for my, <laughs> you can jump in and ask questions whenever you're on. Sure. When you, when you were done, um, did you feel a sense of, um, freedom or a sense of, uh, concern about what other people will think? What, like, how'd you feel at, after both services were done? Well, it was a little nervous. I, um, so nervous, but it felt really good uh, to share my story with everyone in first service and second service. Uh, all my life groups probably heard it numerous times. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but it kind of felt like when you were at my speaker meeting, and yeah. um, which really threw me off. And I was, um, it was, it was, it felt really good. The first twenty minutes is really nervous. Yeah, but uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so um, Daniel's speaker meeting that he's talking about, uh, he shared his story at, with his AA group uh, last summer, early, late last summer, early last fall. Yeah, late so, summer. So, somewhere in there. And, and he invited me to come as he shared his story, and that was the first time that you'd done that, right, in that, in that setting. Yeah, yeah, it was the first time. Uh, I plan on doing another one, but not for a while. I... Um, just want to want to work myself in better familiar with the steps. Yeah, my um, I I would just say this as we dive into really questions and and um, stuff. I think the biggest thing that people are afraid of when they make their inventory or when uh, step five when they tell a a mentor or a group that when they share their story when they confess their stuff to to someone, um the biggest fear that everybody has is uh, what will people think of me? Will, will it change the way our friendship is? Will they think less of me? Will they not want to be friends with me anymore if they know my stuff? And, and that's a legitimate fear because sometimes people can be cruel. Um, but I think more often than not, when we share our stuff, our, our addiction, our sin, whatever it is, 
that there is this sense of freedom that comes for us and grace that typically comes from other people because they know that they're hiding stuff too, you know, that, that, that they've not told their story. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I think being at that point of vulnerability is really tough for people. But once you start to do it once or twice, uh, it becomes really easy to talk about. Um, am I happy with those my proudest moments? No, they were not. But um, is change taking place? Yeah. Yes. That's that's cool. Uh, share some of your story. Well, the only, I was going to add something to that, too. I assume that was an open meeting. For people who have never been to an AA meeting, they have open and closed meetings. And so the requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. Rick would probably be asked to leave a closed meeting if he was just there to yeah. observe. They don't allow that. So an open meeting is where family yeah. and friends can go and watch speaker talks. Or, I mean, sometimes they have open meetings for couples and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, just for those who are unaware of that situation. Thanks. Yeah, good clarity. So what? what's your story? How much of your story you want to talk about? I I, uh, I don't always share a lot of that story. Uh, I have been in and out of recovery most of my adult life. Um, and mostly, like you were talking about, uh, the idea of fear of judgment. Hmm. I've never felt that from people in recovery. You know, I mean, to share a fourth step with a sponsor is totally natural to me. I mean, not that I love talking about the lowest points of my life but for people in society to find out things that i'm not ashamed of that's not something that i go around boasting about and so yeah. um i i think that's something that can't be undersold is <clears throat> the amount of guilt and shame that that people who deal with addictions i don't care what the addiction is it doesn't right. have to be drugs and alcohol this right i mean gambling pornography their video games, I, the amount of things that people can carry shame with, you know, those are things, I mean, some people take that stuff to their grave and, yeah. and those secrets that we think we're taking to our grave, you know, they talk a lot about that in recovery, you know, sick is our secrets. I mean, those are the things that drive people back out. And, um, so there is relief in, in talking to people that you trust, Yeah, but sharing that with a room full of people who are not necessarily in recovery, that seems terrifying to me and yeah. I was impressed. Yeah, you know, it's funny because we we talked in in my life group last week. We we were talking about this concept and just about um, what you need to share, what you have to share, where you share it, how you do that. And I think the 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 whole, what you just said is really good. That if you have a mentor, if you have a sponsor, if you have an accountability partner that you know that you can trust, talking about your stuff, talking about your secrets provides a tremendous amount of freedom. And when you um, share that even out in a different context, and typically that's a more sanitized version, but it's, you know, it's, it's not the, the worst of the worst stuff. But when you do that, there still is this sense of freedom. And I, I said to Daniel after service yesterday, realize that there are going to be people talking to you for the next few weeks, for the next few months, maybe for the next few years, because you had the courage um, to to stand up and say, "Yeah, this is this is my story, and and this is what God's doing. This is how I found transformation." But it was it was unmanageable, you know. It it was a mess. So yeah, yeah. And I would imagine, I mean, 
in recovery, they, they deal with sponsors, but I mean, a, a Christian mentor, somebody that you're sharing your life with, I would imagine the same value. Uh, right. I would imagine you've developed that. I mean, you're, maybe you're not doing that through AA or NA or any of the other recovery programs. Yep. You're doing that as uh, a relationship with somebody who you're both trying to develop a closer relationship with Christ. And that's where you're going with right. stuff. Um, I would imagine same value. Yep. Ab- I think absolutely that's true. Yeah. Well, that's us. <laughs> it looks like we've got a whole lot of stuff to cover. Would you, uh, would you uh, like to talk about what uh, what you shared uh, on Sunday? Uh, yeah. How, where would you like to go first? Uh, so there are so many things. I uh, we were talking before we jumped on the podcast, and I and Brent said, "Wait." Howard, how do you? You've got like pages of stuff. Said, so, yeah, that's stuff that would have made it in the message. It didn't. Um, I, I just want to talk about step four. So, step four, we made searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. So, you go through this process of being honest with yourself about where you've been, what you've done, who you are, all that stuff. And, and I think for anyone, whether you're in recovery from the, the what some people say, the big addiction. Anytime that you're dealing with addiction to sin, that process is critical um, in in terms of of really owning your sin, because that's what that's why Jesus came. You know, if if you only think of Jesus as the Savior in a big generic way, that's very different than saying Jesus came to save me from. This thing that these things that I've done these these patterns that I've lived that all of a sudden the the glory of who he is and his love for us it just it just becomes lots more real it, it changes so well, let me ask you guys when when you did um, step four I kind of did this a little bit yesterday how critical is it that you write it down for me, it was uh, really scary at the beginning. Uh, I think I procrastinated. I was. I would tell my sponsor, "Yeah, I have it written down. I just don't got it worded the right way." And this went on for maybe two, three weeks, and then finally he called me and said, "Hey, you need. We need to talk about step four. And so I had written it down, and there was. I felt the first time I did my first my fourth step um, was. Just hit the bait the the key people that I had resentments against, yeah. Um, <clears throat> and then I could go through and do a four step any other time after that, you know, after I've gone through all the steps once. Um, so, um, you know, mom, dad, you know, uh, brother, sister, you know, usually a lot of times, uh, a lot of resentments are built up towards people closer to you, um, yeah. So that's how I did it. And then um, um, so we went through columns. We went through um, how you felt, how it made you feel, um, and um, why do you think you felt that way? And basically giving, um, you know, pulling self-examination out of you. Yeah. So so you weren't just listing things. You're trying to figure out what was going on inside you. That ultimately drove you to drinking, but um, that that caused damage in the lives of yourself or others. Right. What, what What about you, Brent? Well, I, I think the writing down is important because it you get it on paper. 
it, which is probably easier than facing a human being and sharing. Yep. So you're trying to be fearlessly honest and get all of that stuff down on paper so that when you do meet with a, with whoever you're meeting with after that, you've got, you've got things to talk about. And, and it is interesting. You can Google search a fourth step and see how they do like the columns, like Daniel's yeah. talking about your action, your thoughts behind it, the character defects that led to that type of behavior, yep. jealousy, greed, resentment, just which there tends to be a lot of resentments with people, yep. even though it's crazy how much we resent others when we're causing so much damage in other people's <laughs> lives. But the thoughts behind it, it is neat to write that stuff down. Hopefully you have a trusted person that you're going to that can help you sort that stuff out. Because ultimately, in the end, the goal is to find out what is my role in this, yeah. not how have I been harmed. Yeah. I'm a wrecking ball. How have I harmed others? What was I doing? Yeah, and and you can't change unless you're dealing with you. It, because it really is not we can't control what anybody else does to us we can only respond we can only control we can only act in such a way that it deals with us and the and the way that we respond to everything around us um the uh oh you said something that triggers something for me brent i forget what it was um let let, let me just talk for a couple of things uh, oh i i know what it was i think if you're not Maybe maybe you've just started going to um, to A or to one of the twelve step groups, or maybe you haven't, and this series is just triggering stuff. I think there's a fear, um, or or at least a reluctance to take step four because you think, okay, searching and fearless moral inventory. I don't have time to list everything that's wrong with you know, everything that's that's in my life. And and I think that the the encouragement that I would say is just start with the biggest stuff, you know. Just think, uh, I'm I just want to start with the things that I resent about people, the the resentments that I hold, or or my my major things, just four or five things. You start to write, and and your pen becomes like this is bad illustration, but bad picture vomit, right? You just start to write, and it just starts. Yeah. It just starts coming. You open up, and it takes off. One of you guys. Yeah, that, I mean that's exactly how it was because I would read it over and over just to make sure I'd get it right, and then there I go, crossing this out, adding this, edit. Uh, excuse me, editing this, and then adding this. You know, and then uh, get going on something different, getting totally off the main topic. But this was still a resentment with that same person that I had had. Yeah. Um, the uh, let me just talk about some stuff with step four. I, I think it's critical that you understand that the the reason why you're doing step four, um, it's not just because I say, oh, you need to do step four, you know, as as your friend, pastor, mentor, whatever it is. It's step, the purpose of step four is so that you can have a greater understanding of yourself, and so that you can accept yourself. Warts and all, flaws and all, all, all that stuff. And ultimately, so that you can begin to love yourself rather than despise yourself for all the stuff that you've done. I think that's, that's critical. I think it's important to write it down to do step four, to face the truth of what your behavior has done. I think a lot of times we explain it away. We say, oh, if this person hadn't done that, I would have never done that. That's not really my responsibility. But when you start writing things down, you you realize the wake of havoc that you've created 
in your life and in the lives of other people. Um, and I and I think that you do step four because it helps you understand um, patterns. Oh, there's this pattern in my life. When this happened to me, I did this, um, and and you see that. Any any thoughts on that stuff? I got a thought. I I was thinking, uh, and this is to go back just a little bit. I really thought something that you said yesterday in church that you know church could use more AA and AA could use more church. I or more Jesus, sorry. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was brilliant. I thought that was just a... Because I've always thought that. I mean, the it is something that has bothered me about recovery programs is, you know, I've been in rooms where people have been asked to leave for mentioning Jesus in a room, and that's... Un, I just can't deal with that. But more importantly, how useful in all facets of our life to be completely honest with ourselves about yeah. our behavior and to and to learn that we are the answer is through Christ. Yeah. And then to be constantly taking, you know, you notice it, you notice it in the world that people who don't really like to do self-awareness. I mean, who really loves to be self-aware of their, of their shortcomings. Right. But it's a premise of that program. You don't get anywhere in recovery if you're not, you know, honest about your shortcomings. And I I think the whole world could use that. And, and so, uh, I don't even remember what you asked me, but I was thinking about that while you were yeah. talking. You know, how yeah, useful I, this is for everybody. Yeah. And why it's like I was mentioning to some other people about how our church is doing a, a, a sermon series on the 12 steps. And they were like, really, you know, interested in that. And I thought, yeah, it's pretty brilliant. I mean, the world could use this stuff. Right. You know, I mean, we, and there's great examples of it found throughout the Bible of people who live the 12 steps. Yeah. Um, but the way that they spell them out, it's, you know, those guys who, who wrote the 12 steps were pretty brilliant. And it's, uh, yeah, the, the thing that, uh, you know, as an outsider coming in and really studying the, the steps really for the first time in my life for this series, um, uh, brilliant is a great word because it is every step is a tiny step, but the progress that you make in taking that tiny step and you begin to string together those tiny steps um, it, it, the transformation is, is radical. And the whole purpose of the 12 steps, I, I would say from our perspective is to turn people to Jesus. It's to allow Jesus the, allow them to experience the transformation that can only come from Jesus because you can, you can do the steps without Jesus and, and experience freedom from alcohol or addiction, whatever it is. But it's like, Oh man, that seventy-five or eighty percent you get for life is good, but that last twenty or twenty-five percent that comes with Jesus is the thing that makes life so different, so you know, so valuable, so um, fulfilling. Because Jesus came to save us, you know. Uh, so yeah, yeah, that's a good point. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I felt like when um, I. But I shared yesterday when I had my 11 mile walk, you know, it was uh, I was reflecting on everything that had led up to this moment, you know, and I always knew that there was a God. I didn't know how much he loved me until um, then still to this moment. You know, I mean, I know he tremendously loves us and I'm, I'm so blessed to have that. Yeah. Well, uh, let me talk a little bit more about step four, and you guys jump in wherever. I, I think it's it's um, it's critical when you think about step four to know that um, 
that God wants to help you do step four, that the that God has given us the Holy Spirit to be able to do that. And so um, when when you go through step two and three, that's the prep work to say, yeah, God God can do this. I believe that God can can help me do this and that God will help you do that. Um, I think some of the benefit of step four is that um, is that it um, forces us, it helps us it, what, to, to deal with the pain and the grief that we've caused. Um, it really is like a mirror to say, oh, when I replay that scene from that point in time and I look with a different point of view rather than just from inside my body, that's... That, the, the the hurt the pain all the stuff that that I caused in that um, that's healthy that you know it's not fun but it's healthy to go through that process to be able to to um, to go on a new path and unless you face that you, you change doesn't happen anything I've uh, I, the, <laughs> I've got a thought on this pre pre Christian recovery yeah. for me. I mean, the idea of doing that without Jesus now would terrify me. The I, I don't know, it's like a mental thing, the difference between thinking about God, the creator of the universe, and Jesus, who came here and showed us so much love yeah. that, you know, for me, you know, they talk about this in recovery, that you, you better have a God, you better have something Yeah. when push comes to shove. And I don't care what it is in your life that you're struggling with, where do you go when you can't get somebody on the phone or you're alone in your thoughts? You know, you go to God. Well, if your view of God, this my thought, yeah, is generic. You don't really have a way that you you don't have a concept of God, of a personal God, of a personal God. When yeah. I when I it wasn't until I learned about. I mean, I thought the Bible was fiction most of my life, so it wasn't until I developed this concept of Jesus and what he did for us and how much he shows love that um, it seems to make that reaching out for help on a daily basis, you know, praying 10 times a day, like doing what I do yeah. easier because yeah. I know, I know who I'm praying to. Right. You, yeah. You, you know him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's real. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, we we've kind of talked around this, but again, let, let me just restate again. I, I w- just want to be clear on this. It's important to do step four with a sponsor or a mentor, with somebody who will love you, who's been there, ideally, who understands, who can say, "Yeah, yeah, I know, I get that. I I, w- I was there." That's that's a critical piece. Um, I talked about it a little bit in the message on Sunday as well. It's important to have a group of people that can provide that same kind of context as well, that love you in spite of what, uh, in spite of knowing your story, that love you no matter what. Um, it makes all the difference in the world. I, I can think of uh, so many people who, when they began to have a group, it was like all of a sudden that loved them in spite of all the stuff. They came alive. It was like there's a difference in their in their face, in their visage. There is a difference in in terms of the way that they um, lived. It, it just was cool. So having having um, a group to be able to hear other people's stories and be encouraged, and to be able to encourage others. And let me just go a side tangent on this. Sometimes, um, 
sometimes we think, ah, I don't want to go to life group. I got nothing to give. <laughs> you know, I'm not getting anything out of it. Um, I, I can't, I can't encourage you enough to say your presence at group, God will speak to you when you least expect it. And sometimes your just your presence makes all the difference in the world that, that somebody will say, I knew you were going to be there. I knew you were going to be there. And that mattered. Um, so don't downplay your role either as a giver or a receiver in the context of a meeting. Um, you, you said, uh, uh, three meetings a week, you know, with you off work, you'll probably do a meeting every, every day. Yeah. A meeting every day. Um, I'd like to just say that on the life group front, that, that is really awesome. You know, I think as brothers and sisters in the church, we're supposed to be held accountable to each other, you know? So if, I got a little something that I can help you with, you know, I mean, here, please take it, you know, um, yeah. take, you know, and sometimes I need to hear what you have to say because it helps me. And that's the way it is in AA, yeah. too. you know, um, you know, I grow off your experience, you know, even a newcomer, you know, I grow off his experience because I've been at that uh, desperate point where this is, you know, life or death. Yeah. Yeah. When Daniel, when, um, in December 21, when stuff changed, you took your first steps. Um, were, how many, were you going to a meeting every day then? Yeah. Yeah. I, um, knew I had to be, um, you know, steadfast, steadfast in my recovery. Um, so I had to be on it. You know, I didn't, I didn't want to lag around it anymore. I didn't yeah. want to procrastinate, you know, uh, because I feel like a lot of time when you're out in addiction, the first step you know before you even set foot into a, a an AA club or, you know, any kind of recovery club. Um, yeah, so, like, I had to stay in, you know, and constantly just learn and learn and listen and listen. And a long time uh, before, um, so I knew... But I had to just listen, and because I didn't know how I was going to stay sober, I, I knew that during um, while I was on on probation that I had to stay sober for the courts. But uh, after that, you know, once I came off uh, probation, you know, how was I going to stay sober? Yeah. So I had to steadfast be be active in my recovery. Yeah. Um. Let me let me loop in for everybody who's who's um, listen, watching, whatever. If you're not, uh, you know, if if you're not an alcoholic, if you're not um, in the midst of drug addiction, if you're not sexual ad- addiction, ga- gambling addiction, whatever, the stuff that we're talking about right now, in step four and and um, recognizing the power that sin has in your life. It's the same thing. It's, it's the exact same thing. The difference is, for most of us as Christians, we think, eh, my sin's not that bad. It doesn't really have that deep of, of claws in my life. You know, the roots aren't that deep. Jesus came. I accepted him. It's all good. Yeah, there's problems sometimes, but it's not that bad. And um, I, I, I just think we can't understand how wonderful God's grace is if we don't understand how despicable our sin is. 
no matter what that sin is, because it all separates us from God. Uh, you know, it, uh, so yeah. Anything? You guys look very pensive right now. Um, uh, a couple, a couple of other things, uh, several other things that that happen with step four. Um, when when you write those things down, it's freeing in the sense that it allows you to recognize that you don't have to be perfect because you're doing a searching and fearless moral inventory. It's not just of all of the crud from your life. It's it's you're looking at yourself and that you don't have to be perfect. I think that that's really important. Um, I, I think when you go through the process of writing things down, um, it's uh, it's important to resist the urge to um, focus entirely on what other people have done to you and to look instead at, okay, yeah, they may have done that. What did I do to cause that? You know, what? how did I light the fire that created their reaction that then made me react in such a bad way? Um Again, it drives everything to say, okay, what is it with me? Where, where, where are the character flaws in me? Where, where are the places that I've just been so off the rails that have caused that in other people? Um, last thing I want to say about step four, and then we can kind of talk about some other stuff. Um, the, um, we Don't feel like you have to rush it. Don't feel like you have to say, okay, I'm going to take Saturday afternoon, and from 1 to 3, I'm going to do step 4, and when it's done, I'll be good. Um, uh, step 4 is an ongoing process. Is that true? Yeah, for me, it's very true. Um, this won't, It won't be the last time I do a step 4. Uh, it's If I'm going to stay continuing my recovery, it's got to be constant, you know. And... Um, it, I think it's said a lot in AA that um, it's never a one-and-done type program. Yeah. I'm never going to graduate from recovery. I'm always going to be in recovery. Um, do I handle situations better now because I got these tools that I can use to, you know, uh, help me through my walk in life, you know? Uh, number one is, I mean, obvious, God. I need God every day in my life to, to help me move forward. But... Handling situations, people, places, things, that I'm always going to need help with those. Yeah. Brent, anything? Yeah, I, I would say that I've done a few, and they've tended to be pretty lengthy. You were mentioning, like, setting a two-hour limit. That's probably difficult. Yeah. You know, f I did one that was probably 10, 12 pages long, which for me is a lot of writing. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. But uh, it is nice, like you said, the, the continuing thing. It's nice as you work your way through the steps that you end up at the 10th step where you're taking, continuing to take personal inventory when we're wrong, promptly admitted it. You're trying to not add new things that you to that list of things that you yeah. need to um, clean up anymore, you know, which is, again, the brilliance of those steps. Yeah. That as we improve and we heal, we then learn how to stop. It's one thing to know your character defects. Yeah. Stop it. Yeah. Cut it out. Stop living that way, which is easier said than done. Yeah. Especially right. with a compulsive personality. That, that's not, it wasn't a conscious decision to do some of the things that people do in their lifetime. I don't think there's a whole lot of people that have had addictions that thought, I'm really proud of that behavior. Yeah. I, I, I want to grow up to be an alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really, want to grow up to have a drug I'm addiction. I'm really happy I yeah. drove right. people in my life away from me. More important, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. What was I doing to do that? How do I knock that behavior off? Yeah. You know, why I say it's useful for everybody. Um, 
taking the self-awareness that comes with working the steps has uh, been critical in my life. I didn't mess up the mics there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to pull a Jake. <laughs> oh, oh. oh. <clears throat> Oh, I, I, we we've talked about resentment. Um, there there was something that I just wanted to f- I wanted this to find its way into the message, and it didn't. Um, I I love this quote, and this came out of Hunger for Healing. Resentment causes violence in violent people, and illness in nonviolent people. So when you hold on to things, when you resent others, when you resent your circumstance, whatever it is, and that gets inside you and festers. If, you've, if you're prone to violence, all of a sudden that's where stuff starts to break, where you know, you're throwing things, where you're hurting people, where you're doing all kinds of stuff. And if you're not prone to violence, I, I think what happens a lot of times is that that person, uh, again, as that sits inside us and festers and festers, they end up in the hospital, um, sometimes with things that are diagnosable and sometimes with, with um, symptoms that the docs say, we can't figure out what's going on with you. Something's obviously wrong, but we don't know why. And it's because that resentment has just not had a chance to be released. And so uh, step, step four happens with that. Um, the, uh, what insight can you guys give about step five? Uh, step five, we admitted to God, to ourselves, to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. We've, t- we've talked a little bit about that. We've talked actually probably a lot about that, huh? Yeah, I feel like um, being an alcoholic and knowing these resentments, I um, knew them all throughout step four, but they really came to life when I had to tell someone else because mm-hmm. um, that's where, you know, uh, for me, it kept a lot of shame and guilt and remorse about these things and having to admit it to someone else, you know, um, that was really scary. Um, after I did it, it felt great. And my sponsor says, oh, that's all you did? Here, let me tell you about this. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and we, we compared yeah. stories, you know, but yeah. I mean, not not for good, but to dissect them and for, you know, to help us learn from them. Um, I, I remember one of the biggest things that I struggled with with step five was uh, being honest um, I've sold myself short many times so I could do that. You know, um, I could, I could lie to a sponsor and not get recovery. And, uh, number three was, uh, to honestly say to God, you know, that I, I want to repent of these sins, Yeah, you know, my addiction, you know, that was really hard because I don't want to lie to God, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Brent, anything? Uh, yeah, I just... I thought yeah, he makes a great point. And I, and I thought too, one of the, I remember uh, one of the guys in my life telling me, you know, God loves you no matter what, after we went over this fifth step. So you share that with somebody that you trust, similar, similar experiences. They, they laugh, take away some of the, how huge you feel that this stuff is that you've done. Some of it is huge, you know? Right. And so, you know, it's nice to have somebody let you know, you know, you're you're still a human being. God loves you. Yeah. Let's give this to God, and then we're praying. So we would pray before the fifth step. We prayed after the fifth step. You've already learned, you know, how to start turning stuff over to God by this point. But it's a practice. You know, yeah. this is stuff I'm feeling a lot of guilt and shame over. Let's give this to God. Let's let's uh, turn this stuff over. Um. Yeah, just useful stuff. I. It's uh. 
that that learning that learning how to I don't know about people I know people who grew up Christian and had a great Christian upbringing and God was a big part of their life. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's not sure. sure. That's not your story. That's not a given. Yeah, people just grow up learning, knowing that you go to God for help with your with your struggles. You know, that that wasn't mine. So I had to learn that. You know, like, yeah, I can't handle this stuff on my own. I've proven it. And another human being is a human being, so they're not going to fix me, and God can. Yeah, you know, so it's it's a practice. Yeah, uh, and uh, let's let's talk for just a second about that concept that you just talked about, because Daniel, you referred to it as well. Um, I don't know, I don't know what the language that you, that you guys have um, used, whatever what what happens in a group, but. If you're an alcoholic, you're an al- alcoholic for the rest of your life. You know, it's a it's a an addiction that you struggle with for for the rest of your life. And yet, in the context, especially of the power of God, it's temptation that stays there to spiral back into the old patterns. And yet, God does give the victory, and so your life is different. Uh, you know, it. Um, yeah, you're. Uh, while the temptation to go back there is real, the life that you experience now has been transformed. And that's, uh, again, I'd come back to the, the whole purpose of the 12 steps, is it is for life transformation. It's, it's for you to be a different person than you were before. This is not just the same old person cleaned up. You become a different person when you work the steps with God in the center of that, doing the change. Uh, agree, disagree? I totally agree. Um, you know, now with these tools and with God's help, I have, um, you know, been relieved of insanity, you know. I'm back to Love sane, it. you know. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I didn't get here just to be here, you know. This this program is taking me this far, so we're going to have to keep doing what we're doing. Um yeah, you know what? It's so great. You know, I'm so grateful to have found a home group that I love. You know, yeah. in AA and my life group. You know, um, I I just love going. You know, I love being part of. You know, and um, like I said, if if my message can help someone, I you know glad to sh- uh, glad to share it. Anything? Uh, yeah. The only other thing I would say, you mentioned the uh, the concept of. If you're an alcoholic, you're always an alcoholic. Yeah. If you're an addict, you're always an addict. And I think people get sober, stay sober for long periods of time. In in recovery, they talk about that built-in forgetter, you know, oh. which would uh, describe that. We ha- well, in recovery, they would call that the addict mind. I call that Satan. Okay, uh-huh. yeah, mm-hmm. planning those thoughts. Well, you've got this beat. You don't need God. You don't need to talk to people. You don't need to read. You don't need to go to meetings. You don't need to do these things anymore. You've got life where you want it, and you did it. Look at what you, that's the worst. <laughs> Look at what I've accomplished, right? Mm. Which that because it's back to control. It's 100%. back to me, me being in control. Yeah, all of the things that got us to that position, right? Yeah. And so my experience has been that you know, I had periods of my life where had been sober for several years had life was great, you know, and had a full-time God in my life and, um, and then forgot. Had a, oh, had a full-time God in your life? Yes. Yeah. And then forgot 
what got me there. Uh-huh. And, uh, and then went through struggles, went through a divorce, um, and in a million years, never would have thought that would be an option to go back to that life. No way. That will never, ever, there's no way that could have, look at how much I have to lose and made that decision, you know? So I do think that, yeah, even though I would like to think that I'm a recovered addict, alcoholic, I don't know that I am ever fully recovered. I, they certainly claim that we're not. Yeah. And my experience has been, if I really want to know if I'm recovered, they would say, well, go try some controlled drinking and find out if you've recovered, mm. you know, which that's a pretty dangerous experiment. Yep. And, <clears throat> yeah. Um, I, I think. Go gamble if you have a gambling issue. See how that goes for you. Yeah. Sorry yeah. to cut you off. No, no, that's okay. Um, what's, what's really interesting, you know, I, I talked two weeks ago about recognizing as a teenager in a video arcade the compulsive nature of the addictive, the compulsive addictive nature that exists in me. Grandfather was an alcoholic. Grandfather was a gambler. And and when I when I said two weeks ago it scared me, was because I realized if I ever started to gamble, I recognize about myself I couldn't stop. I um, I I I know I would think I'm smart enough I can figure out a system to beat this. I you know what I I can I can do it and I would just the money would would just go away. Um, and the and the and all of the stuff that would happen along with that. So for me, I've always drawn a, a boundary really close to saying, "Nah, I don't want to buy lottery tickets. I don't want to, you know, don't don't want to do any of that stuff." I do think back to the question that we were just talking about before, that there is a um, recognition that our addiction to sin we're never free from. So it's not just that, oh, you're an alcoholic, you're you're always. A, we're we're, in a, we're addicted to sin, and the only way that we can deal with that is to say only by God's grace, with the power of Jesus, can can I go forward and live in my relationship with Him, um, and and when we do that, when it's all about Him and not about us, we experience incredible freedom and joy and stuff. Um, uh, we're going to wind down. There's a couple of questions that came in that yeah. are that are. Hey, by the way, I have one really quick thought for you. On yeah, that. yeah. One thing that I uh, would relate to people who, anybody who's listening who, let's say, has never dealt with what you would consider a big addiction. Okay, honesty. Okay, so I do know people who have been truthful and honest their entire life. Uh, I've, I think. I mean, we don't really know how other right. people live their lives, but when you are dealing with addiction, what tends to come with that is a lot of dishonesty. Yeah. You know, your guilt, you feel guilt, shame, you want people off your back, you lie. Yeah. So that's part of the practice of these steps is living a, a rigorously honest life. And I have yeah. to pray about that every day. Remind me to be honest when I'm tempted to tell a lie, yeah. which is different, difficult. And that would be another thing. I mean, for anybody who's, how often do you, do people have to fight the urge to, you know, somebody asked you a question, you don't really feel like answering that honestly. That's well, yeah, just yeah. a little white lie. I didn't hurt anybody. Well, that's a slippery slope. Yeah. Yep. And I, I like to think, well, Christians don't lie, but I'm pretty sure everybody struggles with their own things. Sure. And sometimes that slippery slope, the top of the slippery slope, is about something stupid. 
I, I like relevant. I I I, mm-hmm. I remember I remember a friend of mine who's who's a, who's a pastor. He was talking about being honest, and in his message, he said somebody asked me this week how much weight I had lost. He said, and I said I've lost seventeen pounds. He said I was on the scale that day. I know I've lost fifteen pounds. What's the difference between fifteen and seventeen? Why is seventeen so much better than fifteen? And yet that's Sometimes, man, that's the way. That's where we go. It, it's just something little, and then all of a sudden the line gets blurry. Yeah, but I think there's people who wouldn't do that. Oh, I think there's people that if you asked them how many, how much weight they they would say fifteen, and they would feel guilty if they didn't. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I I don't know. I'm not a bad person. I don't walk around compulsively lying or anything. Yeah. But I don't know what that feels like to just have it have been natural my whole life. It's something about being a kid. I didn't want to get in trouble. I learned how to be sneaky with my wow. parents, and that's yeah. something that I think a lot of people who deal with addictions probably experienced that growing up. Yeah, and, and I do think I do think that the Holy Spirit can do His work in us to prompt us to say, eh, "No, no, 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 no." Um, fifteen, fifteen. Yeah, <laughs> and 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 then um, I, I man, I hope this is not too personal, but I can't even remember what service it was. But I had I had a conscious thought yesterday when you were talking that you said something in in um, in one of the services, and you stopped and went back and corrected it, and it was a little thing that didn't matter. I I don't even remember what it was, but I thought, oh, that's that's the that's that's it. That's being honest, you know, searching uh, searching fearless moral inventory about our own honesty. Um, so maybe not. Maybe you just misspoke and went back. But I, I just thought that's good. You know, it's good. Woo. Yeah. Uh, um, so like just to so we can get to the questions, I just wanted to say that um uh number one offender in the in the Bible and the big book is pride, you know, your ego, oh, you, good. you know. Um and um addiction, sin, alcoholism is, you know, cunning, baffling, powerful, and patient, very patient. They say that uh the devil's in the parking lot doing push ups waiting for me, you know. Yeah. So when I'm at a meeting, I have to, you know, be steadfast in my recovery. Yeah. Good. Yeah, that's great. Uh, Rick, I'm looking at these three pages here. I can't tell what the, is page your one, notes page, and what are page, questions. Page one that start that has the header at the top that says twelve steps. Yeah. Then it has a number one. Okay, number I see. Two. Here we go. Yeah. Number one. Uh, I'm a life group leader. I feel like I have a lot of people who I mentor. How do I find someone to mentor me? It's probably weird to just go up and ask somebody, will you be my mentor? Um, that's a great, great question. And the answer is going to seem counterintuitive, but but relatively um, simple. Uh, uh, pray. Um, just Pray. Ask for God to lead you to a person to have that kind of relationship with you. And two, even though it sounds really goofy, um, ask. I, I think in AA, the only way that you get a sponsor is by asking somebody to be your sponsor. Mm-hmm. Is that right? A spon- yeah. uh, somebody doesn't come up and say, Daniel, I want to be your sponsor, right? right. You, you've got to ask somebody. And so you look for somebody that you you maybe don't even know, but that you l- like what you see in them. And you, that you feel safe around, and and you say, hey, could we have that kind of relationship? And they may say yes or no. I I think it's not uncommon, um, in in uh, in AA for somebody to ask somebody to be their sponsor, and they say, you know what, I'm I'm already sponsoring somebody else. I can't do, 
I, you know, I can't add another person. God's in that. God, if you're praying for that person to be that mentor, to ha- be that accountability partner in your life, that's a prayer that God wants desperately to answer. He wants desperately. God's that. That's a prayer that God wants to answer. Um, and so, yeah, just pray, and then look for somebody that you trust, and um, and then ask them. And and ideally, somebody that you, when you look at their life, you think um, they've probably walked where I have. Um, doesn't always. It doesn't always have to be somebody older. Um, but oftentimes that's that's the um, scripture talks about uh, older men, younger men, older women, younger women um, pursuing that. Yeah, probably makes some sense. At least in recovery, they talk about it being with somebody of the same sex. Same sex. Yep, that's that's the best. Same sex. Safest. Yeah. 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 And um, I was told um, to look at someone's recovery. If they got what you want, you go up to them, ask them. Yeah. You know, and I did stock a few people for my first sponsor. And I was like, you know, oh, wow, that's really good. That really, like, stimulated my mind where, you know, it helps because, you know, the mental aspect of this is that, you know, I'm sick and I can't fix me with the sick mind. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you guys. Um, I That asking for God's help. Again, maybe people have done this their whole life. Doesn't come natural to me. Amazing the value or the benefits of, that sounds greedy, but since I've started incorporating God into, I mean, God, please help me clean up my business. Help me to to help bring the people into my life that will help me run a successful company. Help me to eliminate the people that I need to eliminate from my company. Just this God, please help me to clean up my finances. Help me to be smarter and more honest with what I'm doing. Just the amount of that. Again, maybe everybody else has always done that. Didn't come natural to me. That's good. Learn that good. in church. Uh, question number two from the Ermut Lou. Ermut Lou group. Life group. <clears throat> Can we get a list of direct or of different support groups people can join if they are struggling with addictions? Yeah, that, that's great, great question. Um, there are, in, in our support recovery ministry at, at North Point, right now the only group that we have going internally at North Point is Grief Share. So it's, that's not an addiction group, it, but it's helping people work through the stuff associated with their grief that, um, that again, causes alienation causes walls causes spiral all all that kind of stuff um there are um we would love to have a full slate of recovery groups at north point um but that's dependent upon on leaders um you know we always say we're not going to start a group without a leader and we're not going to go begging somebody to be a leader because that's a recipe for disaster somebody has to have a sense of calling and ministry and man if you if you think you know what i I th- I think God may be calling me to lead celebrate recovery so that we can initiate that that's the coolest thing uh, that we that is something that we're praying for. Um there are all kinds of recovery groups uh, at, at North Point we've had divorce care which is a, again it's not an addiction but it, it's it's 
having some people that can walk with you through a very difficult time and help you begin to have some perspective and begin to see with clarity all of the stuff that's going on um, and and work through the things that you need to work through at that point in time. Um, we've we've had in the past we've had groups for people that struggle with um, with uh, eating addictions, um, all kinds of stuff, and um, w- one of the people in in our life group. Uh, just side note that was j- just really good to say. Anytime that you're dealing with anybody with that talks about their addictions, never discount whatever it is that they are addicted to. Uh, again, somebody in, in our life group talked about uh, a, an eating disorder group that they were a part of, and that this person came to the group that was young, really attractive, slender, all kinds of stuff, and um, and and said in the con they said people said why are you here and and she said because i'm bulimic i i purge and they said yeah right it, it was like oh that's not a real thing because they were all very heavy um and that it took a tremendous amount of courage for that person to come back to the group because her addiction was dismissed as oh it doesn't really matter that you know that's that's not what we're dealing with so that doesn't matter Man, any anytime anybody comes clean, it doesn't matter what it is. Don't don't discount um, that. Uh, real stuff. So, right. Um, we, we need to finish up. Let me let me say one last thing, and uh, and then we'll conclude. Um, I I just want to go back and hit the twelve step waltz thing again. Um, it's really easy. Um, in in church, Deb and I had a conversation uh, Sunday afternoon after after uh, the service, and and I, I just said there are so many people I know I, I, um, that that do steps one, two, and three in the context of Christianity and never get past that. Um, I, I had a I had a sermon based question that said, "How many times have you ever been in a church and prayed the sinner's prayer?" You know, raise your hands, pray the sinner's prayer, because it's a very common thing for people to say, "Oh yeah, I've done that six, seven, eight, ten times, whatever." Raise my hand, yeah, God, my life's a mess. I, 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 I need you. That's that's step one, two, and three. <laughs> you know, recognizing mm-hmm. that 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 you've that you've got this addiction you can't control, that your life has become unmanageable, that you do believe that God can help and that God is there and able to help. And so we we just do that and go back to that and go back to that and go back to that and never get to steps four and five, where where we begin to really do the hard work to say, okay, what's what's at the root of this that's driving me that's separating me from God, and so um, I I just want to re, wanted to reinforce that again because I think that that um, uh, that's powerful that it's it's powerful I think in in a step group and it's I think it's powerful. In the church, we need more AA. No, we need more uh, more Jesus in AA and more AA in the church. So love it. Yeah, I love it. Good stuff. You want to land the land the plane? Thank you. It's uh, <laughs> I don't even remember how we close. Uh, it minute. doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> it's I, been great having you guys. Yeah, I, I and I I just want to say thank you guys thank you thank you for being here thank you for your transparency and um know that god's using you using your stories that's cool stuff all right we'll see you next sunday